Hello there and welcome to the Kent Non-League Football Podcast with me, John Phipps and Matt Gerrard. Um, you'll know Matt from BBC Radio Kent. Uh, he's a Dover fan and he's on the line now. Looking forward to the start of the season, Matt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Pre-season seems to go on longer and longer each year and I think the, the phony war now. And It's a shame that all Kent's all non-league sides don't kick off at the same time. I, I still don't understand why the Bostick League, which we like to call, kicks off a week later and finishes a week earlier. So, but... Uh, that's football for you. Yeah, we're looking forward to it this week, weekend. Back in it. Normally the weather's supposed to be good for the start of the football season, but I think it's not going to be very good this weekend, though. No, I think, I think the thing is with the Bostick League as well, they do cram the games in. They, they certainly play a lot of Tuesday nights at the start of the season, and that makes it difficult, doesn't it? Because these teams have built up during pre-season, and now they've got to go and they've just got to hit the ground running. Yeah, it, it, it does seem very strange to me while they're doing that. Again, again I presume they look at it that arguably August, September... The evening should be a, you know, a little bit lighter and the weather will be a little better. But I can see that some of the Bostick sides, they're back-to-back midweek games in November, which does seem a bit crazy when the weather's going to be bad and, and people aren't going to come out. But again, it was us to uh, try and work out the non-league system. Sometimes you think they would have a bit more common sense. I mean, obviously it's going to be all changed next year anyway because there's going to be fewer teams in those divisions. So th- it, this will be the last time we have this problem. But if you want to get out of this league, you've got to have a good start, haven't you? Oh, absolutely, in those sort of leagues. But again, there's only one going down, so all our Ken sides should be OK on that point of view. Everybody's going to be chasing Billericay. I suppose we'll discuss them next week when the, when the Bostic League kicks off. But yeah, again, off to a good start, especially with some big sides in those divisions. Absolutely. Well, let's have a look at the uh, at the National League then, which obviously starts on Saturday. And I'll, I'll go on then. We'll start at Dover. Um, Hartlepool away first up for the Whites. What, what, a, what a trip that is on the opening weekend of the season. You know, Dover's back-to-back away games. You look at it, Barrow and Hartlepool. The last game of last season was a Barrow and a Hartlepool. Yeah, it's well, it's, it's a difficult start. Of course, Hartlepool. You know, you listen to you go on the forums for the Hartlepool fans. I think they're thinking they're only on loan to the conference or the National League again. But you know, you look at sides like Tranmere and Wrexham. It's it's easier said than done. I think they're quietly confident they can do well and get promoted straight back. They brought some decent players, but. I think um, they might find it a, a little bit difficult. Again, if they beat Dover at the weekend, they'll probably think they're going to win the league. But it's a tough start for Dover, no no doubt about it. Um, Dover have brought in 13 new players, I think it is, for this season. Whole new team. Um, Chris Kinnear will have to get his mantra over to those players. Seen a couple of pre-season games, so um, we look good going forward. The problem was last season, we had Miller in attack, who was a phenomenon and absolutely too good for Dover. They could score goals, but you know that to, that score three to win games certain times. So it'll be interesting to see how they do against that young inexperienced side as well. So I think the more, I think the more test for Dover is when they play Bromley next Tuesday. Basically, that's more of a, a benchmark where they are. So I don't think many people, I don't think the bookmakers, giving Dover much chance at Hartlepool. No, I think you know. Obviously, I've seen a few Dover games with you as well, and you know there, there are times where Dover look a little bit inflexible. But do you think Kinnear has has brought in the right sort of players this season, and that this year that they could perhaps sneak up again. No one ever expects Dover to be there or thereabouts, but they always tend to do it. Do you think they'll, they'll be there or thereabouts again this year? I, I think they've got a chance. With Chris Kinnear, you know, you have to be a certain type of player to play for Chris Kinnear. If you haven't got the right work rate or commitment to decide, he won't have you in. And I think he, he's got that into the new players, particularly um, in attack. They've brought some Jamie Allen, who looks good, Kane Richards in. Well, maybe Richards was on the fringe of sides last year. Jamie Allen scored 10 goals in a relegated sides. So there's definitely potential in there if Chris Kinnear can get into it. Midfield again, always a bit of a problem. Mitch Brundle looks good when he comes in, leader of the side. Defensively, I think they probably need a they brought a few defenders in, 
big defenders who what Chris Kinnear liked, but maybe they needed an old, experienced head in there. Conor Essam, uh, he's come back. If he can get back to the form when he was in his first league, first year in the conference, he was probably Dover's best player that year. If he can get back to those levels and the defence can improve, why, why not? Yeah, you can't write off Chris Kinnear and Dover. Again, they don't normally start particularly well, so you just have to go from there. It's a, it's a tough one at Hartlepool, but you know what Dover have, they may not have the, the big-name players, but they've got Chris Kinnear, which means a lot. He, he doesn't normally manage sides that struggle. No, he doesn't. And, I mean, having watched over teams, they always seem really close-knit. They have that real sort of ability about them to, to not get beaten. They don't go to places like Hartlepool and think, well, we're going to roll over here. They'll go there, they'll battle. And it'll be interesting to see how Dover got on this season. As you say, they've rebuilt, but they were six last year. Only just missed out in the playoffs. And obviously, with the changes to the National League this year, that would have been good enough to get them into the playoffs. And, you know, Dover, if they were to get into the Football League, it would be fantastic for the area. It would be fantastic for Dover. And it would be hats off to Jim Parman, who's, who's backed Kinnear all the way, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, they've, they've got a good relationship with they had before. So, you know, I think, you know, reading between the lines, they're happy with the new players they've got in. I think maybe David did get a little bit stale at the end of last season and certain players, and he's moved them on. They've got young, hungry players. Uh, and in chairman Jim Parmin, so they, they've got somebody who loves the club and he just wants them to progress. You look at the, the facilities there, the, the wonderful new stand they opened last year. They've got floodlights that were, you know, watching the game in daylight when I've been there, and also extending the... Um, the executive boxes. So, off the field, they're getting ready for it. On the field, it's a tough division. The National League really is a tough division. But Dover, you know, everybody they've done, they've overachieved, arguably the last three seasons. Can they do it again? Maybe a tough ask. But you know, seventh place up for grabs. It really opens up the division. It's difficult, isn't it? Because obviously Dover are a part-time team and they're competing against a lot of full-time teams. But we've seen with Maidstone who've changed their training regime and we'll come on to them shortly. They've lost a lot of their players. But all the time Dover in that position where they are as pretty much being the best part-time team in the, in the country, they're going to be ha- able to attract decent-ish players who are within that catchment area. You know, if you've got a footballer... I remember t- talking to Danny Green a couple of years ago when he signed for Margate and he said to me, I don't want to get back into the pro game. I've got... I'm doing some business here. I've got I can earn 400, 500 quid playing part-time football. I don't want to go and have a two-year contract miles away from home, miles away from my family. So being a, actually being a part-time team does mean Dover can get some good players in. They may not be household names all the time, but they're still good players, aren't they? Yes, some of the Dover players won't have another job, but they train sort of like five o'clock in the afternoon uh, in Maidstone. So the Maidstone area helps as well because they don't have to travel down the extra hour to Dover on that point of view so again if you've got another job a lot of these guys you know run football academies etc like that so it opens it up and you, you do find there's a lot of footballers out there that people don't go into the full-time game or come out of it or fall out of love with it after time come down working during the day training in the evening it's better for their lifestyle as you mentioned with Danny Green sometimes it's not all about being a professional footballer it's about building up your future for the, for the future to come ahead and obviously, as we know, a lot of these players are into herbal life, as I believe Mr Brundle is, which massive. we're massive fans of that, aren't we, Matt? Well, yeah, well, I, yeah, well, I can't comment on that, but that seems to be a, a thing that these footballists like to um, sell as well. But it works for Ronaldo, so we can't argue with that. So. Well, he's obviously got the right idea. Well, we'll move on from Dover for a bit then. Um, Bromley, um, they had a, a quietly good season last year. They finished 10th. They've, they seem to have built a few, bought in a few decent players. They start off at home to Eastleigh on Saturday. Got a new 3G pitch there. Are they a threat this year? Oh, I think Bromley, Neil Smith's done a, a really good job there. I think Bromley, another of these clubs, you know, they're in a difficult difficult location when you think Palace around the corner. But they're trying to 
build stuff off community football. I think they're doing a really good job. They've got a good catchment area if Palace are away. Gates do flicker a bit between 1,000 and 1,500 every week, depending if Palace are playing. 3G surface, of course, that always helps the revenue off the field. They have brought some decent players in. They've lost a few. Like, um, Toby Show Silver went to David. They brought Brett Williams in, a, you know, a proven goal scorer at his level. Uh, other sort of players. Adam Mecky, again, another one at David. Didn't really get in, but he was rated at Tranmere. So, yeah, I think Neil Smith can be quietly confident. Again, I don't think anybody knows what they'll know about the conference until maybe the first week of the season's gone. Those first three games to see what teams are going to be like. Home to Eastleigh on Saturday. Tough one. Eastleigh spending money, money, money every, every season. You don't know what they're going to be like. Andy Hessenthaler there, of course, as assistant manager. Well, but I think Neil Smith, again, they've worked out their third, third season in this league. They know what they're doing. Again, well organised off the pitch. Neil Smith, a good, good tactical coach, I think. So I think they should be should be okay. Will they challenge for the playoffs? I don't. Maybe don't think so. Maybe just build up this year. But uh, yeah, I think they're in for a decent season. I suppose the three G pitch. Obviously, we've got Maidstone have one as well. It, it it's still not allowed in the league, but in the conference, it, it's it's a commodity, and and the club are able to make so much money from it off the pitch. But there's also the fact how they're going to adjust to playing on that every week. Yeah, that again. It's, this is the problem. I think when you when you build the three, the three G, it, it takes all the summer to get on with it. I presume they'll be training on it, getting used to it. So yeah, I think they'll be okay. I think a lot of the times these players train on surfaces very similar to that. So Bromley have looked at it and maybe thought that's the way to go forward. It will be interesting to see what happens at the end of the season. I think the remit is if you get in those top seven, you before you actually go in those playoffs, you've got to say yeah. If we do get promoted, we'll rip the pitch up. And maybe for certain sides like Bromley, you've probably paid maybe near on half a million to put a pitch down. Is that financially viable? Going into the Football League probably won't earn you £500,000. No, and especially as they've only just put it in as well. Can you imagine exactly, calling yeah. them up saying, take that one. pitch away, please. We're going, to, we're going to grass one now. Yeah, it's a difficult one. And Sutton have done it as well. So, But again, will the Football League let it? Eventually, they probably will let it in. There's, I think there's three, pro, three, three, G, three, three G services now with Sutton, Bromley and Maidstone. So... Eventually, it probably will come in, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens from that point of view. But my, my view, would Maidstone on their gates of 4,000 get in the playoffs, get promoted? You know, Maidstone want to be back to where they were in the mid to late 80s in the Football League. Would they rip their pitch up? Maybe they would. I suppose theirs has been down a little bit longer as well, so that they've already made a lot of money out of it. But then they, they like that community ethos of being at the heart of it. And it makes it a really interesting decision to actually put down that 3G pitch, doesn't it? Yeah, it's something interesting to get some of Oliver Ash on the, on this podcast. You know, he's a, the Maidstone chairman. who's really, you know, sings the praises of the uh, 3G service. And I know he wants the, the Football League to take it on. It'll be interesting to see, because I know certain people aren't fans of it um, from that point of view as well. So it, it, maybe as the season goes on, I think the 3G, if these sides are in those playoff positions, the 3G issue is going to be quite a... A major issue in non-league football. Well, and imagine if one of them was winning the league. I mean, that that would, that would be massive, wouldn't it? Oh, look, they're, they're miles top of the league, but the football league are going to say no to their current yeah, pitch. So, yeah, I think I think this this could be a, a story that runs and runs on this one. Yeah. Well, let's look at Maidstone now. Then, I mean, we we were at Maidstone on the opening day of the season last year. We saw them play York, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought how their season would pan out for those two clubs? Yeah. Um, Maidstone had a slow start last year, I thought, but eventually they got to grips with the level, built a decent squad, and they've added well. They finished 14th last year. They had a good end to the season. Can they build on that and push forward this time? What, what I like about Jay Saunders is he's not afraid to make decisions as well. You can see when they've gone through the leagues, when they had their three promotions in four years, each season a big player, he said, no, sorry, I've got to move you on. 
uh, and maybe he was a bit too loyal first size at first few months of the conference season last year when they were struggling a bit but he made those decisions to move players on he brought experienced players in Sam York and Stuart Lewis who, who was a great signing at this level so and again he's built brought players in again I think Maystone good thing about Maystone they could get 4,000 every week if they're doing really well and that means so much they've got a fantastic support and I think that means a lot as long as the fans don't get too excited saying oh we should be near the top of the league which of course people may, may expect after last season's struggle and what they did at the back end of last season when maybe they were in the probably top last three months of the season probably in a playoff position if you look at their points so I think Maidstone brought in well Stuart Lewis is a good player Sam York I've never really been a big fan of him but he scored goals for Maidstone and maybe he's at a club that really he can work well with Joe Anderson came in from Bromley another decent player uh, Johan Horst when he's fit um, I know a lot of Ken clubs were after him this summer but he chose Maidstone when he can get fit so, Jay Reason as well, uh, proven midfield player at this level. Maidstone, I think they're going to be in for a good season. They can start better than they did the last season. They get that momentum and the crowd's up. Uh, they, they could do all right. Probably missing a, an out-and-out goal scorer in my eyes, somebody who can score you know, maybe the 20, 25 goals you can get to be at the top of the league. But I think they'll be in for a good season. They've lost, I think, Kevin Locko, I think, registered he's going. So, they're struggling defensively. If he can plug that gap, I think Maidstone... Uh, could be okay and they've got Maidenhead first game of the season and you'd think that Maidenhead will be in the bottom half of the, the league if they can get off to a good start crowd behind them you never know well, you would have said that about Maidenhead but then no one would have expected them to win the league last year they're, they're a decent side in Alan Devonshire that guy is incredible I mean before I moved back to covering teams in Kent I used to cover uh, I used to cover Braintree and the job that that man did at Braintree was out of this world he had players on peanuts a week and he got them into the playoffs or in and around the playoffs and then obviously the Cowleys came in and built on it Alan Devonshire a man who doesn't drive and was always on the bus to his mum when I used to to visit his mum when I used to phone him up for a story on a Wednesday morning but the, the guy just gets people going and, and in Tarpey I mean the guy got 40 goals last season much like Ricky Miller they're a threat they are Maidenhead a massive threat yeah, again he's been loyal to the players I think they haven't lost any of the players who got promoted with them last season Again, it may be too, you know, I think you've got to find when Dover first season in the National League and Bromley and Maystone, you know, they started slowly getting used to this division. It is a big jump from the National South to the National League. So it might take them a few games to get going, but Devonshire, very experienced, a bit like Chris Kinnear, knows non-league football, knows how players tick. So they should be OK. But I think Maystone, it's a great, good, good game for them, first game of the season. At home, on the 3G, Maidenhead, you know, they'll still be a little bit excited, but I fancy Maidstone to pick up three points, Sunday. Yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that, definitely. And, and I think we, you, you touched on earlier, you said, you know, about Jay Saunders, you know, you hope the fans don't get too carried away and, and think they should be challenging. But Maidstone have shown with the way that they've gone up through the leagues that they can cope with the pressure. And Saunders has been there a long time now. He's a massive part of the club, both on a match day and away from it. And I think that he has shown that he's got what it takes to make that club a success. I don't know how amazing he'd be anywhere else, but at Maidstone, he seems to be the perfect fit. And I think that they can really push on. And I think if they're not in the top half, Maidstone should be very disappointed this season. Yeah, I, I, I probably think so as well. They're well run off the pitch, Maidstone. Jay Saunders, I think you made a great point there. Jay Saunders, he could you know, manage Barcelona tomorrow, but will it, be, will it be as nice for him as at Maidstone? He's brought that up from the Ryman South all the way through. Again, there may be a bit of pressure on him next season if they're not doing too well um, where they expect to be. They're going to be one of the best supported teams in the league. Budget-wise, they're probably in the middle of the table because they'll 
mates don't learn their mistakes from before. They don't want to go down that route of financial problems, etc. like that. I think they could be top half. Can they get in the playoffs? I think they might say the goal scoring thing is, is a concern to me, but I think I think they'll be okay. Jason is is a good manager, but again, if they start well and that crowd behind them, you never know really. It's absolutely key for that. Four thousand every week is a is a decent crowd, and and they are good supporters down at Maidstone. Yeah. So last but not least in the National League, then move on to Ebbsfleet United. Obviously, they won the playoffs finally. Uh, they finally got into this level. Splash a little bit of cash this season, haven't they? they? Or this summer, they brought in Sam Magri from Dover, Jack Payne, who Gillingham fans will know. But they haven't all been players that they brought in from the higher level. They brought in players who they played against last year. They obviously have seen something in and sort of pushed them up. It's, it's an interesting one because they've got the money, they've got they've got a bit of support. But how far do you think Ebbsfleet can go this year, Matt? Um, again, I think they brought pretty well. Danny Mills, I really like. Why talk? He's a proven goal scorer, 25 goal a season man. Um, he'll be, a, you know, and then you've got Kedwell coming off the bench. Magri did really well. Not the back end of last season, Magri, but arguably the whole of 2016, he was probably Dover's best player. The back end of the playoff season and up to Christmas, he was excellent, Magri. So he's a good player. Interesting, they're going to play him at centre half. I think when Dover used to play him as a wing back, so but he's a decent player. Luke Coulson. Again, they've got that mentality, as somebody said, of winning football matches. I know they missed out last season to Maidstone, but you know, they won a lot of games last season. Um, McMahon will play football. Uh, he may be struggling when you're playing football in some of the surfaces and some of the teams when you come up against, but I think Ebsley should be fine. Um, they've always got that, you know, they've got a bit of backing behind them, so if it does go wrong, they can bring players in. Jack Payne, you know, star man for Blackpool when they got promoted out of League Two. At Wembley, that's a great signing for them, a local lad. I'm sure they do. Darren McQueen, everybody raves about as well. So they've got a bit of a momentum there, I think, uh, Ebsley. Geisley, first game of the season, tough one to go. Geisley, another side maybe thinking that will not be troubling at the top of the division, but um, that's a tough old place to go as well and not the greatest ground in the world. But I think Ebsley should be okay. Darren McMahon, again, pressure again, isn't it? If they start badly, will, will the fans be on his back, etc. like that? What do the expectations for Ebsley? Off the field, maybe they think they can do pretty well from the boardroom point of view because their budget will be good at this level. So, uh, again, I don't think any of the Kent sides will struggle this season. Interesting question. If you put me on the spot now, which Kent side will do the best? It's like throwing a um, dart at a dartboard, really. It's a tough one. But I think, absolutely, again, they've got that backing. And if, if they need something, they can go and get it, which could be crucial. Interesting that you said guys is a tough place to start. I had it, I had it written down as a nice place to start. I only just stayed up last year. It's a little. It's not. A, it's not a Tranmere. It's not a Hartlepool. I think if you could, have, if you had to pick a northern away game first up, you'd probably look and go, yeah, Guysley, that'll do. Thanks very much. I think they could go up there and they could certainly get a point at least. Come back down and then obviously Tuesday night, massive Kent derby for them as well. Maidstone at home. What what a game that's going to be. Uh, I, 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 3,000 people Maidstone will bring some fans they got a bit of um, needle I think from those playoff games when Maidstone scored the last minute goal then won on penalties so yeah I think uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hell of a game isn't it so he's putting down your marker again on that point of view um, and again you look at it absolutely maybe uh, could get me looking at six points when they've opened in two games and then people start getting excited so that's a fantastic game and I'm sure anybody in Kent football if you're not if your side's not playing that day, you want to try and get down there because the atmosphere on a night time if it's, should be absolutely cracking and both sides will, will give their all in that game. If you had to put a finger on it, I would probably say 
out of all the sides who can do it, because of Epsleek's momentum, the players they've got, I think they could probably be could become Kent's number one side in the National League next season. So, but again, it could all change really. But I think Epsleek, maybe with the backing they've got, they've probably got the best chance. I'd, I'd go along with that. I think I think Epsleek will be. The, the one of the Kent teams to be, but I, I think Maidstone. I'm, I'm going to stick my neck on the line. You've said absolutely. I'm going to say Maidstone will be Kent's top National League team this year. But, but, it's, but the good thing about it, John, are you thinking you've got four sides in this division, which is great. You had Dartford and Welling have changed a lot of players. You know how fantastic it would be if, if the four can stay up, thing or even go up. Then you get Dartford and Welling because the Conference South is pretty wide open. Six Kent sides in the National League it would be absolutely fantastic. It's bringing it back to the glory days of the 80s when we had a lot of Kent sides in those divisions. So, yeah, I think non-league football in Kent, as we're doing this podcast, is is on the up, I think, really. Absolutely. Well, let's have a look at the National League South then. Just the two teams this year in it for, from Kent. And Dartford lost in the playoff semi-finals last year to Chelmsford. It could have been a hell of a final between Ebbsfleet and Dartford, but let's forget about that. It didn't happen. Um, you know, they start off at home to Hungerford, who were a surprise package last year in the National League South. And... They all got involved in that, oh, the ground's not good enough to get promoted nonsense, which ruined the, the bit, a bit of the playoffs around there. But in Tony Berman, they've got a guy who's been there, he's been there a long time, he knows what he's doing. They've added a couple of decent players, and I think they're, they're going to be there or thereabouts, Dartford, aren't they? Yeah, I think they've had a solid squad for a number of years, even when they got relegated from the, um, the National League. They kept you know, the spine of the side, you know, Brad Brook, Hayes. Uh, players like that um, again always missed the goal scorer for me Darford all through the years they've, had it, they've never had somebody who can score 20-25 goals a season um, they've got Big Dwayne for reaction probably like he's injured he, he, he does a job as a front you know as a target man up there but you're always looking on you're relying on Elliot Bradbrook aren't you to get 15-20 goals and you know Bradbrook a fantastic player uh, in Kent football really can't go on forever you, you know if you're trying to find the um the 20 goal a season man. I got the guy from Croydon, Warren Lefoy, I think his name is. He could maybe he could be the man if Darfur can get a goal scorer because you've got players like Ryan Hayes who put balls on on plates for strikers. They could be the side to watch out for. Always going to be solid. Always going to be organised. Tony Berman knows his level and maybe it's time for Darfur now. They've been out of the league, the National League, three years, regrouped, always kept the core support. Maybe this time it's to go for it to get back into the National League and which I think if they did do that, they'd be a better club than they were when they went in there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, I mean, you, you say they need a goal scorer, but if I'm sure if you said to every manager three days before the start of the football season, what player would you want? They all want a goal scorer, don't they? It's the, yeah, it's the hardest thing to find. Yeah, I just don't think Darth would ever have one, really. Um, <laughs> from that point of view, you know, you know, a striker, you know, ten minutes to go can put one nil sort of thing. You're relying on a bit of magic from Hayes and Bradbrook coming forward. When they went into the National League, they did, they did fantastic that first season. They didn't have that goal scorer. If Tony Berman can get a goal scorer in, who can score the goals when uh, the, the tight matches, I think that, that's going to be crucial for me. Everybody, everybody's looking for the, the magical striker. I think uh, from that point of view. So um, yeah, I think they could. I think Darfield will be up there again. Hungerford, they've got Braintree second game of the season. They're away at Braintree, so Braintree brought new players in and they want to bounce back. So that's another good test for them. Yeah, and then um, Welling, well, they've got an absolute cracking start to the season. Truro away. I mean, at least it's out of the way and it's going to be when the weather's not too bad, but it's not really ideal for your fans, is it? Or where are we going first? Deepest, darkest, Cornwall. Um, interesting one. Jamie Cool obviously, is, is the new manager at Welling. Um, they had a bit of a tough time last year. They finished 16th in their first season back at this level after being relegated. And, 
you know, we, we were there, what, uh, February time, weren't we, for their FA Trophy game. They looked they looked a decent side that day, but I think all the stuff off the pitch, like the change of managers and not having anything settled, made it difficult for Welling last year. And I think now that they've got Jamie Coyle in, he's used some of his contacts to get some players in, I think they're going to be in, in better shape. And, and as you say, the division could be wide open, couldn't it? Yeah, I think I saw Dover play against Welling 10 days ago or what it was for the in a playoff game and you know Welling had a lot of new players and then Dover Welling bossed the game for the first 20 minutes or so then Dover took control really and Welling's head went down you know Jamie Coyle you know, a good you know he knows the game a good coach at this level learned off Jay Saunders and he worked with Tony Berman before so I think uh, he's going it's, it's time for him to sort of step up to be a manager Welling you know always, you know not necessarily they've had problems financially recently but normally a world run club He's brought in his contacts, Parkinson and people like that. He's got Tom Bradbrook back out of retirement. Um, so I think he's well-respected in the game, Jamie Coyle, and players want to play for him. So uh, a solid outfit again. Well, it's just, again, 15, 16 new signings they got. Can they gel quickly enough? Because last season they started off so badly, they just never recovered from that. So they need to make sure they, they start quickly. Uh, they've got Truro, when they've got to play after that. Chance for the home, yeah. So, again, two tough-looking games on paper just to see if they can gel. Normally, well in, normally good at home. You know, get small crowds, but good crowds who will back the side. So, be interested for them. I think it's quite an exciting thing for Welling as well. New players coming in, let's go for it. And as we said before, maybe Chelmsford are the, the favourites for National South. But you know, the last few seasons, I think we've always thought that Team A is going to get promoted. But this season, you know, again, very wide open, uh, which can do it. But I think Welling, if they start well, got some decent players who played at this level and before, and winners who won competitions. They could, they could be an outside bet for the playoffs again. With top seven being open, it opens up all the leagues. I would have thought every side in that division thinks they've got a chance. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Obviously, they've been there for a few years, but I think Ebbsfleet going out of that division does make it more wide open because Ebbsfleet, with, with their financial backing, have always been the team to beat in the last three or four years in that league. So now that they're out of that, everyone is going into that at the weekend and I'm sure they're all thinking, we've got a chance here. There's not an Ebbsfleet in this division. Let's go for it. Yeah, I think, again, not many people would have said Magnet were going to win the league last season. So, a lot of the sides, the Hamptons of this world and teams like that, um, will be thinking, yeah, we, we, we've got a chance here. If we can get off get off well, there's some big, big sides in there. Bath City, again, I think they brought quite well. They would love to be back into into the National League. So, yeah, I think it's it's a wide-open league. Haven't coming back into it as well. I think they had a disastrous one. Uh, we've got promoted straight back, so key for them. So, yeah, I think uh, all in all... Uh, that is probably out of all your leagues, I think, in the um, opening pyramid, down to the Premier League downwards, I would say the National League South is probably one of the toughest to call. Yeah, so let's move on then. Um, no, as, as we know, there's no games in the Bostic League this weekend, but the FA Cup starts. And um, we've got some, some Kent interest in, uh, in teams from the SCEF. I know you've printed out the fixtures, so you can sit there and have a look at them. I, I've got some little nuggets for you as well. So um, we've got Beersted and Rustall are both making their debuts in the famous competition. Beersted are at Eastbourne Town and then on, uh, on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Rustall are at home to Hounslow. Um, and that's being played at Tunbridge Wells' ground. And what's interesting there is if Rustall were to win and the previous day Tunbridge Wells have beaten Beckenham, it'll be Tunbridge Wells against Rustall in the preliminary round of the, of the competition, which, are, which would be a great, a great tie for that, that town over, or in Tunbridge Wells, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. And again, I think we say it every year that the FA Cup, to me, the FA Cup, when my team gets knocked out, I'm not really that interested in it now, but 
these rounds up to it, it's so key. You get fifteen hundred pounds to to get through um, this winning one game, and that could be an absolute godsend for certain clubs from that point of view. Some been there, Chapman Town. They've had a, a Gillingham down in a pre-season, didn't they? And built some money uh, doing the ground up. Yeah, it didn't go well that game though, did it? They only lost twelve nil. Yeah, well, that's, you know, they're four levels or whatever it is above, so it doesn't. The key is getting the money in that Littlehampton Town, Deal Town, great little club. When I saw them against Dover, really. I think they had some decent players in there, Corinthians. So, yeah, it's the FA Cup, and you know we start the cliches off now. So, um, it's the will against Croydon. So, what we want to do is, you know, there'll be there'll be one. The thing is, in the FA Cup, there'll be one of these sides in the extra premier round that will get to the fourth qualifying round. Well, I can't say it'll be one of the Kent sides that can do it. You know, and the extra money they can do it. But good luck to all of them if they can get through. Really. So. Um, We'll let you know next week how they do. I presume they continue to have replays, don't they? So yeah. there could be replays in the week from that point of view. But yeah, we'll, we'll look out for them and uh, hopefully the Kent sides can, uh, can progress. Yeah, I mean, we are guaranteed a Southern Counties East League side in the first qualifying round because Corinthian are playing Deal and Glebe are playing Lordswood. And then the winners of those two ties will meet. So that's that's a real pass. And you say Deal, you know, that they... On their day, deal on a bad side. They could easily find themselves in the first qualifying round of the FA Cup. And then the world's your oyster. You just get a couple of lucky draws. It's a big old widespread competition. And, and who knows where you could end up going. Yeah, well, it was that side last year that got to the first round. They haven't been there before. And they, 50 years, I can't remember what they're called now. But they exactly like that. They started in this round. Westfields. Westfields, that's the one. In Hereford way, wouldn't it? So, yes. Yeah, they, they, they've never been anywhere near it. Be, there will be a side this season. That gets on that little bit of a run, the momentum. And again, it may not mean too much for the Premier League players who play in the FA Cup. But I know if you speak to some of these guys for Deal, Glee, Whitstable on the weekend, they're playing in the FA Cup. It will mean the, the world to them anyway. So, fingers crossed. They, they want to be creating themselves a little bit of FA Cup uh, uh, hero-ness for them there. So, hopefully, they can go and do it. Absolutely. And so, moving away from the FA Cup, we've we've had the first row of the season. Um, a bit of a, a bit of a set to uh, Ashford against Seven Oaks in the Southern Counties League Trophy. Um, I haven't seen much of, of what Seven Oaks have been saying. I've been looking around and, and looking online, but Ashford have have been very very unimpressed by the fact that Seven Oaks turned up and, and said they didn't want to play on on Ashford's pitch because of a sprinkler in the middle of the pitch and and so on and so forth. And there's been a bit of to in and fro in and it's one of those really I mean I don't know too much about it I don't want to comment but I don't really like seeing clubs digging out others on social media on Facebook and saying sort it out Seven Oaks as I have done from Ashford and you know that, that they did fantastically well last year Ashford but they don't want to start getting themselves a reputation do they? No, no I, and I think they had issues with the pitch when they um, last season a couple of games I think people weren't impressed with the pitch I think they've sorted that now though. But, but why do you need to, again I'm, I'm no gardener but why do you need to sprinkler them on a 3G surface, is that maybe that's me? Maybe I, I don't know enough details about that point of view. Yeah, we don't, you don't want any arguments about it. But again, the charity shield is, is no longer on, but if they, it's up to them. I think so. Didn't Tunbridge want to play at their ground and rather than Ashford? So there may be a little bit of um, naughtiness before the game, but that's one of those things. That's what you you love about football, isn't it? Sort of thing, you know, you think you're better than everybody else and you've got their viewpoint from that point of view, but. Again, uh, I think they'll move on. I think um, we'll go from there and see how they can get up from that. But Tunbridge Wells are in the FA Cup this weekend, so they'll be looking to forget about that and uh, make a mark at a different cup competition. Absolutely. So, um, just about coming to the end, uh, one of my first, one of my next questions is: Where are you this week? Have you got a game this weekend? No, not no. Hartlepool's a little bit too far for me to go, so um, I'll be uh, keeping an eye out for that. I'm back on uh, Dover Bromley next weekend, Dover Wrexham. So, um, 
you came, you love about football, you know, Friday night you'd be thinking, yeah, this is going to be our league. Our year, then Hartlepool, you know, could give us a good tonk in. Then you think, oh dear, doom and gloom. But I think every football fan must, you know, wake up thinking this is going to be their year. But there's going to be a lot of disappointing people on Saturday, whatever team you support, because you think, yeah, this is the year, and then you lose badly, and then you think, oh, here we go again. But you continue to come back, and I'm sure everybody will look forward to watching a game this weekend. Really, yeah. Yourself, John, what do you? What's your main uh, Kent hope for the football season ahead? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean. I... Obviously, we haven't talked about them yet because they're not starting this week, but I'm looking forward to seeing how Margate do uh, this season, I must admit. They've got Ramsgate on Friday night in a in a friendly, and I went to that game last year at, at uh, Southwood, and Margate scored a last-minute deflected goal to take a two-legged tie to penalties, and you would have thought they'd won the league at that point. Um, <laughs> it was, The celebrations were ridiculous, and, and obviously, you know, both teams have moved on since then. They've both changed the manager, so that'll be a good game on Friday night. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they do under Steve Watt at Margate. They too have got a 3G pitch. Um, club I've got a, a real soft spot for, a real affinity towards. And I think they've they've signed really, really well. I mean, obviously they've had all the stuff with Love Island. I, I, I guess you probably don't watch Love Island, uh, uh, Matt, nor do I. But obviously Mike Thalassitis, or Muggy Mike as they're calling him, uh, starred on Love Island, apparently if you star on Love Island. They even saw him linked with a, romantically with Caroline Flack the other day which is slightly different from playing up front at Hartsdown Park. But the, all the word from the club has been that he's still one of their players, but he's doing a, a number of um, pub PA appearances in nightclubs up and down the country, including Landudno on a Saturday. So I can't see him being a, an option for Margate in the, in the distant future, to be honest. Well, I, I, I didn't watch any of Love Island, but the, the, where the office I work in, a few of the ladies did, and, and uh, so I kept abreast of... Muggy Mike's uh, Harry was getting on. I don't think he lasted too long, but I think the magic of reality TV, even if you get booted out, you can come back in again later. Which I don't think he lasted too long in there. So, I, 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 from his point of view, I presume paying to go and land in there and open up a nightclub and have a, a few selfies taken is probably worth financially better than playing for Margate. So maybe, you know, while he's star, star I'm using that in the loosest term, he's shining brightest, he's going to make as much money as he can. So, they brought Liam Envermar, I mean, another well-travelled striker uh, yesterday, Margate, so maybe Thalassitis may not be coming back. But uh, I've got a funny feeling that Billericke and all their sort of um, star players, so to speak, again, in the loosest terms, maybe that Thalassitis will maybe end up at Billericke to, <laughs> to bring in some extra crowd or the, the, that sort of uh, thing from that point of view. But no, well, it's, the thing is, though, he was a hiding going into nothing, going into a programme like that. Maybe... Maybe um, he hasn't done himself too far. He was particularly in his football career, but he's making the most of it now. So good luck to him. But I'm sure we'll see him on a Bostick League pitch somewhere sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And your challenge for this week, Matt, is obviously we need to remember this called the Bostick League, and you need to find someone whose name is Bostick so that we can. I did find somebody when I said I watched Love Island, but I did go and see um, the a film with my kids. Um, it was the. And the, the guy calling it was called Bostick. So I'm trying to think what the film was called now. Uh, it was it was one of the kids' ones over the thing. Uh, Wimpy Kid, Dyra Wimpy Kid, and the brother of Dyra Wimpy Kid was not in real, in real life. He's called something Bostick. So Brilliant. there you go. I think it might be Raven Bostick or something. I don't know, but we'll find out. But there must be somebody famous called Bostick. It's a, it's a great um, great name for a league. But I think we'll probably we'll probably get called Rhyme. We'll call it the Rhyme and League for a number of times. Like I still call the uh, 
the conference, the GM Vauxhall conference occasionally. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Matt. And, and obviously this is the first of, of a series that we're hoping to do. Well, we'll be doing it regularly over the course of the season. We'll be hoping you'll be picking up and listening to it. Um, feel free to get in touch with us on social media. Um, I am on Twitter at JohnPips81, which is J-O-N-P-H-I-P-P-S-81. I'm going to get fed up with spelling that out every week. Um, you can also email us at JohnPips81 at Outlook.com. And if you want to get in touch with Matt, he'll tell you how to do that. Yeah, Matthew underscore Gerard. That's G-E-R-R-A-R-D. And if if you're... Uh, game or you see me uh, David please come and say hello and we'll, we'll try and get some interviews on and you don't want to listen to me and John uh, waffling on every week so hopefully we'll get some uh, names from the Kent football scene and to come on the programme as well so we can get their viewpoint as well so and if you've got any questions we'd love to hear about it about 3G and all sorts of that and maybe your predictions for the season from that point of view maybe you want to do them before Saturday when your team gets top 5 now <laughs> brilliant well thanks very much for listening everyone and, and we'll see you next week cheers bye all the best